This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. A lot of discussion right now in the business world is about AI, blockchain, other technologies. One thing we haven't talked about yet on the Wealth Ability Show is the metaverse and how the metaverse might affect the workplace. And could we actually even have a metaverse workplace? We've talked about how, um, how we've got this challenge between coming back to the office after COVID and not doing the office. Do we do virtual offices, et cetera? And we have a guest with us today, Jason Guessing, who is um, very much involved in the idea of a metaverse workplace. And I'm fascinated by this thought because as, as you all know, um, I'm struggling with this not getting back to the office thing. Um, some of that's my baby boomerishness, um, and And some of it's just that I like people. And so I'm really interested in this topic. I think that's uh, has the potential to be a, a big disruptor and actually a big solution for the getting back to the office versus working from home. And so I'm very excited to have uh, Jason with us today. Jason, welcome to the Wealth Ability Show. Thank and, you, Tom. Um, it's an honor to be with you. I appreciate it. Thank and, you for and having me. If you would, give, give us a little bit your, about your background because it's a fascinating background. And what I'm curious is, you know, how'd you get into this whole idea of metaverse workplace? Not exactly what I expect from somebody with your background. Yeah, not something I would expect with my own background either, Tom, to be honest with you. But I've uh, I've been working in the metaverse now for more than 13 years. Uh, uh, all of that really up until this year uh, with EXP Realty, which became the fastest growing real estate brokerage in North America in history, I believe, for a period of time. Uh, today, that brokerage has uh, close to 90,000 agents across 25 different countries. And we launched uh, 22 or 23 of those countries uh, without ever getting on a plane. But uh, the way I sort of fell into this, I, I ended up in law school and uh, law school, and the law ended up not being a great fit for me. And I think like yourself, one of the problems was that I was constantly in isolation. I was spending 16 or 18 hours a day in a small room. And uh, for the most part, people didn't want to talk to me because I was billing them in six minute increments. And I understood that. But it also <laughs> meant that I, I was working in isolation throughout the entire day. And I'm like you. I, I need to be around people. I get my energy from being around people. Uh, but the truth was I was completely drained. Uh, my kids at the time were two years old and a newborn. They were going to bed at six o'clock at night. I was driving an hour and a half into the law firm and back and forth. Uh, so three hours total each day in Boston traffic. And by the time I got home, they were in bed and asleep. And so I would go days on end without seeing my kids. And I never met my own dad. And so I, I instantly recognized that this wasn't going to be a sustainable thing for me. And I wasn't happy in the law anyway. Uh, in Massachusetts, which is where I'm from and uh, where I'm speaking to you from, uh, once you're admitted to the bar, you can get your real estate broker credential just by filling out a piece of paper. So I did that in 2002 when I was admitted. Uh, and as the years went by and I, I really needed some sort of break from the law, uh, I would occasionally you know, go out and look at houses just out of plain interest or show friends and family, things like that it really sort of maintained my sanity because it allowed me to get out of the office and be around people. Uh, in the course of that, I think it was about 2007, 2008, there was a division of lending tree that opened up called realestate.com. Uh, and they were a company that first uh, perfected the online lead generation coupled with the warm live telephone transfer. Uh, so that worked perfectly for me and it gave me some experience in the business and I was going out and representing people and closing deals. Um, and so 
the gentleman who was the regional manager uh, for that organization is somebody I became fairly close with. Uh, and he was giving a presentation one day uh, on a webinar on Facebook. And immediately preceding him was the founder of EXP, a gentleman by the name of Glenn Sanford, good friend, absolute mentor, and, and a wonderful human being. Uh, and I was introduced to Glenn. And the next thing I know, I'm an avatar uh, in, in EXP's first version of its metaverse, which at the time uh, looked nothing like I showed you. And if your guests will stick around at the end, we're happy to give them a little bit of a tour. Uh, and I, I will tell you, Tom, you know, I was not at the time somebody that was tech adept at all. In fact, I was probably the last person to let go of my BlackBerry. But but the aha moment when I met Glenn, you know, it was 2009, late 2009. And uh, the global financial crisis was in full force and sellers couldn't sell and buyers couldn't get financing. So transactions were down, which meant revenue uh, was down to brokerages all over the place. And we saw back then a consolidation of brokerages uh, you know, folding into one another, shutting down offices. And it was at that point where, you know, Glenn recognized that if he wanted to stay in business, uh, he needed to radically change the way he approached the business. And he told the staff never to come in again. And so, uh, but the, the moment for me was when I, I was walking around for the first time in the metaverse and Glenn explained to me that real estate agents, you know, were paying for things like expanded office space or, you know, parking spots for executives or uh, travel junkets to fancy exotic locations. They just didn't know it, right? Because it was all buried in their financial arrangement. Um, and when you sort of cut out all the fat and all the excess in the middle management, you can really transform what it means to be a service professional, what it means to sort of earn more and be recognized for what it is you do and the value with which you do it. Um, and, and the light bulb went off for me. When I was a lawyer, I always thought, you know, that the clients were paying for those fancy lunches or right. the clients were paying for the mahogany table or the walls that are, you know, interior staircases with the finest wood, you know, and, and you could live with that. Uh, but it occurred to me in that moment that, in fact, it was the service professional that was paying for it, too. They were you know, making less than they should. They were spending less time with their family. I mean, if you look at the law today. As a profession, there's probably more misery, uh, you know, depression, uh, suicidal ideation, alcoholism, addiction. It's a place, it's an industry with a lot of unhappy people. And there's, I think, several reasons for that. One is uh, there's nothing efficient about the billable hour, right? Why, why do in one hour what you can do in 15 when that's the measure by which you're being judged? Uh, secondly, you know, lawyers at, at large firms certainly take home on average somewhere between 20 and 25% of what they bill out uh, by cutting out uh, the excess uh, and the redundancy, we've been able to uh, uh, turn that around and give the lawyer 60% of what they bill out. And then we've got uh, 5% that's earmarked, 5% of every billable hour earmarked uh, to access to justice, which has won us the support of attorneys general in states like Utah, Arizona. Uh, so we were able to fund legal uh, access clinics. We're able to do pro bono work with that money, and that's going to be a sizable sum. And uh, so we're happy about that. And then there's an additional uh, pool of money that's uh, results from the savings that we're able to then take and turn around to provide to our attorneys in the form of partnership bonuses on a monthly basis. And uh, there's clear, objective, apolitical criteria. It's not this poorly illuminated path where they tell you next year and then the next year comes and they tell you, wait one more year or get to know this guy a little bit better or, you, you know, you didn't tie your shoes the right way. I mean, there's always a reason to postpone the partnership. Uh, and, and so what we've really done, I think, is democratize the law firm. Uh, a little bit. We've put the, the power back into the hands of the attorneys. Uh, we've saved the clients money. We've sort of reinstilled in attorneys uh, some of that idealism that brought them into the law in the first place. Uh, but it's just one example in one setting in one industry where the metaverse has been transformative. And the reason I wrote the book, The Metaverse Workplace Revolution, is because I think it's a revolution 
uh, that's been underway for some time now. And certainly, you know, by evidence of EXP success, it's been underway for more than 10 years, but not a lot of people know about it. I think people hear about the metaverse and they think, well, it's a video game or I can live next to Snoop Dogg, right? But for me, when I talk about the metaverse, I think the differentiator is it gives you this persistent presence or persistent sense of presence. You know, you're in the same room with somebody. And, so so, know, when, so let, let's kind of yeah. let's kind of start unpacking that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, love, I love your enthusiasm. So this is great. But we're gonna unpack this. We're gonna kind of break it down into pieces if that's okay. Um please. So uh so just to, just to be clear, so you were actually the CEO of EXP, right? Yeah, EXP Realty, yep. And and now you are actually back running uh, actually in charge of a law firm, right? That's that's correct. Yeah, it's come okay. full circle, and and I want to alleviate the pain for lawyers. Yes, I I I love that. Um, you know, if you can only alleviate the pain for the rest of us who have to use lawyers, that would be really amazing. But um, but that's a that's a whole different that's a whole different topic. All right, so let's talk about um the metaverse in the first place because. I don't want to assume that our listeners even really understand metaverse. I mean, you know, a lot of people have used VR, you know, et cetera. And they think they, they know, and we have, of course, Facebook changed its name to meta for the metaverse. Um, yeah. But my, let, let's start with what, what it is and what it isn't. Okay. Just not the metaverse workplace, but just what is the metaverse and what isn't the metaverse workplace? What is yeah. it? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think a lot of people will tell you that it's uh, it, it can be interpreted as any sort of online uh, digital presence or communication, digital interaction, right? You're, you're doing it in the metaverse. However, you know, when, when you and I stop talking on this video call, you know, we've got the things we're going to talk about, then we're going to stop and then we're going to go our separate ways. And if three hours from now uh, you had a thought and you wanted to ask me about it, you know, you're going to have to make a deliberate effort to reach out and try and we'll have to schedule some time. Uh, if we're in the metaverse, uh, you, you may just bump into me in the office suite or in the hallway or out on the soccer field uh, and you have the opportunity to ask. So that persistence, I think, is really important in building culture and community. So so, so the metaverse is actually a, a, a it's real estate. It's just virtual real estate. It is. Yeah. So that, that's a great point. Let me let me answer your question a little bit better and try and paint a picture. So inside of our campus, the Omniverse, because the, the firm is Omnis Law, uh, we've got soccer fields, we've got auditoriums that can hold thousands of people. We've got small meeting rooms, we've got boardrooms, we've got individual offices that are aligned next to each other. Uh, the places are designed in a way to really you know foster a sense of community and collaboration. Um, and, uh, you know, it's very, very clean. And of course, it can be accessed from anywhere. Now, your physical uh, existence in the metaverse, you, you enter the metaverse as an avatar, and that avatar uh, today can look exactly like you do, uh, pretty much for you know for the most part. Whether it's height or uh, skin tone, uh, or, you know, religious preference, there's all sorts of ways to express yourself as your true self in the metaverse. So let's start with getting into the metaverse. So let's say that I'm uh, I'm I'm an employee. I'm logging in um, in the morning. Am I am I like just entering a, a username and password just like it would for any anything else and logging into the metaverse? Am I do I have special equipment I need to I need what's all entailed in just the fundamentals of using it? Yeah, it's it's really become very simple and counterintuitive. So you, you would go into your computer, open it up, and uh, you would either access uh, your metaverse via the web, uh, browser-based metaverse, like something like Frame VR, which is a an emerging platform that I think has a lot of potential. Uh, or you may have to download a client in order to access your metaverse campus, which is what I do here. And that uh, 
that's uh, done by Verbella. And uh, so, you know, you download that. Uh, you do have your username and password, just like any other secure system. And then when you enter, you enter what we call the spawning point. If you look straight ahead, you're going to see a help desk. If you look to the left, you might see a body of water. If you look to the right, uh, you might see a, uh, uh, an office for the attorney general. You might see, um, you know, a, a dance hall. I mean, you, you can create this space, space in any way uh, that you want. Now, in terms yes. of equipment... So, so, so let's, let's talk about that real quick. Then we're going to come back to the equipment that you need. Yeah. Um, so, so any particular company's metaverse workplace would be independent of any other company's metaverse workplace. Is that, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So presumably then you, you actually have metaverse designers, just like you would have an office designer or a web That's designer. Correct. Okay, yes, sir. And, All right. Yeah. So let's come back to the to, to the um, physical equipment that is required. Yeah, the physical equipment required really is very simple. You need a, a decent computer that's not too old with a reasonable processing speed. Uh, and really, you just need a, a headset for your audio. And arguably, you don't even need that. But uh, if you want to really enjoy the experience, I think those are the two things that are required. Our platform has the capability, certainly, to use VR headsets and goggles, but it's not necessary. It adds an element of uh, increased difficulty. And, and I actually, I think at times can make people feel a little uh, nauseous if they're not accustomed to it. So, yeah. but what you really need is very, very simple and easy. And there are things and, that people And then you have. travel around with a mouse, presumably. Correct. All your keyboards. So uh, in my or, metaverse. Or your so keyboard. I, oh, okay. Uh, if I, if I want to walk, I just hit my W key. If I want to walk backwards, I hit S. If I want to run, I hit shift W. Uh, I can do backflips in the metaverse. I can dance in the metaverse, Tom. I can do things in the metaverse that I never had a chance of doing in real life. So, 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 can you do the same thing with the mouse? I'm trying to figure out. So, I'm thinking: is this purely keyboard driven or VR driven, or is there an in between with a mouse driven? Yeah, it's a, there's an in between, but I prefer the keyboard. Okay, okay, got, got it. Well, you know, you've been working on it for 13 years, so I, I, I I'll, I'll say, I, I, I still other, don't use keyboard, keyboard for Excel. So well, I'm so what you, what you could do this, this is the express way to travel in the metaverse. Whether you're within an office suite or a completely different part of the campus, there's a menu, and you can hit the go to button. You can go to a person, or you can go to a destination, and you'll automatically port there. So uh, that that's the express route. But uh, I like taking the walk because, again, you never know who you're running to. Uh, interesting. Interesting. So, so, um, how tech savvy, I mean, I'm a, I'm a baby boomer. Okay. So I am yeah. like, my generation is the least tech savvy of all generations. Okay. Except maybe the, you know, the generation right before us, which is, you know, currently who's in office. Um, but, <laughs> but we're not, you know, baby, it, it, it's not until Gen X, um, that right. you, know, you really have tech savvy people. How tech savvy do you really need to be to operate? in the metaverse? Uh, functionally, you don't need to be tech savvy at all. And I think that's a misconception. People think you need to have this tech background, this tech facility, you don't have to have that at all. What I think you need, where you need to be savvy is just in how you think about it, right? You need to be open to change and you need to be open to the possibility that things could be a whole lot better if you embrace change. And I think that there are organizations that are gonna do that and there are organizations that won't, they'll just be fearful of the technology, but it's not, it's not scary, it's not intimidating and it's really quite easy. Sure. It, it's kind of harking back to the Luddites, right? Who were, who were afraid of, of the weaving machines, right? <laughs> there, there are always Luddites among us. Um, right. uh, but that said, so before we get into how it actually, how, how it actually works and really kind of the, the, the feeling behind it in the beginning, cause we're in, the, we're still in the beginning. I, I realize you've been using it for 13 years, but 
the the rest of the world is pretty much in the beginning stages of metaverse. Um, just like, you know, back in the 90s, we were in the beginning of, you know, uh, the, the World Wide Web and web development, et cetera. It, you know, when you first developed a website, it was thousands and thousands of dollars to develop a website. Now it's uh, plug and play, right? You just, you, you just click and drag to create your website. Um, what's going on in the metaverse as far as, you know, the, you know, if you wanted to go in and say, hey, I'm going to build, first of all, I presume you choose one of these platforms you were talking about, and then you go, okay, is this a plug and play thing or, or do I need, you know, somebody who really understands the technology behind it to actually go in and design this, or do I just need really an office designer? I think I think it helps Tom to have somebody on staff who's got some uh, tech proficiency. You know, we've got a couple of folks in particular. We got our our CTO, uh, incredibly talented gentleman. Then we got a, a woman who's very well versed in in the metaverse and how to sort of change everything from changing the name above an office, right? When somebody moves out of the company and somebody new moves in, to creating new rooms, to granting access permissions, to putting up holiday decorations at Christmas time, uh, making sure it's snowing in the winter and, and not snowing in the summer. These things sound silly, but they're really not. I mean, they're really important. And, and, and the thought that goes behind the design, you know, there's certain things I think you want to accomplish with that. You want to make sure that leadership is accessible for instance, right? And I think that's one of the opportunities that the metaverse affords that you don't really get in traditional organizations where there's multiple locations. I mean, on any given day, an agent could log in and just walk into my office in the metaverse and ask me how I'm doing. And the same thing is true at Omnis Law today. So um, so when you're designing it, are, are, and I don't mean to get too, too much into the detail here, but when you're designing it, I mean, are you using a is are there people who this is what they do for a living? Um, Indeed, they, they design metaverse workspaces. Or are you looking at a traditional office space designer? Like uh, no, this would be this would be a metaverse designer, uh, someone who can create the artwork uh, to create the design that you want. And typically, those people are going to be with the the hosts of the platform. So, in my case, for Bella, uh, or you know, Frame VR or, or any other uh, platform. Got it. Okay. So let's talk about this, um, the, the feel here, because one of my struggles, of course, uh, that we kind of alluded to earlier is with not going into the office is, well, I can see you here. It's very two-dimensional, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things, uh, there, there's lots of studies that show that from a communication standpoint, um, only about 35% to 40% of our communication is um, audio, either audio or even tone, right? It's about 40%, where you've got yeah. about 57%, uh, if, I, if I remember my numbers right, that is um, body language. And you really don't get the same body language over Zoom, as an example, okay? Not There's no Zoom, way right. that, I mean, you're going to see my expression, but you're not, and you're going to hear my tone, but you're not going to see my body language. You can't even see that I am, I'm constantly moving my hands. You don't, and, and so you miss so much of that, which is one of the things I miss with the office, is that you mm -hmm. miss having that true interaction um, from a communication standpoint. How do you overcome that in the metaverse? Well, I think, first of all, there are expressions of emotion in the metaverse. So if I'm in a class with a thousand other people, I can literally put my hand up. And if the speaker uh, looks up, they're going to see that my hand is up, right? I, I can I can jump for joy. I can shake hands. I can do a backflip in celebration. Uh, so there are ways to express yourself. Um, I think, you know, there are also a lot of downsides to having that visual or, or nonverbal uh, language. You know, I think it creates all sorts of unconscious biases, 
uh, one of the things I talk about is, is accessibility within the platform and how it sort of opens up opportunities for, say, mm -hmm. military spouses who are relocating every three years, right? I, we had an employee at EXP that moved uh, from Northern Virginia to Alabama to North Korea, uh, to South Korea. And throughout that entire time, she remained employed because she was able to access the office wherever she was. Same thing applies for people with disabilities. I mean, you can bring somebody in and interview them for a position uh, with the very best intentions. But I think if you ask people who are disabled, they tell you that oftentimes those interviews are, are colored in part because there's a disability and it's unavoidable uh, in terms of seeing it. And it, somehow it, it, it colors somebody's opinion or there's the risk that it will. Uh, so I think in many respects, uh, the metaverse is an equalizer in that way. Um, but I can tell you this, Tom, I mean, you know, it is lifelike, it is real, it is belly to belly. And I could probably ask you, what are the things that you like most about being with people? Uh, but, you know, we had uh, two agents who met in the metaverse for the very first time. Uh, and I'm, I'm proud to say or happy to say that they, uh, they got married in the metaverse at the height of COVID. They had a live ceremony going on at the same time. But in the metaverse, I walked the bride down the aisle and uh, this it was a big deal I, because people, whether they were able to attend or not, health reasons or not, or distance, whatever it might be, more people were able to attend and join the celebration. And afterwards, uh, they all danced. It was a big deal. It was picked up by a lot of uh, international and national morning news shows. The New York Times covered it, I think. Um, so, you know, real relationships and bonds can form. Um, and, uh, you know, another example, we had somebody who joined and, and went through our onboarding process and within six months, he who lived in uh, Northwest, the uh, Pacific Northwest, was performing at uh, the the wedding of the daughter of our onboarding specialist in Nevada. Uh, so, you know, they're very real. And I think they're easy to strike up. It's easy to build relationships in the metaverse because you're there for a single purpose, a shared purpose. And that's a natural conversation starter. You asked the question, you know, what is it that I like about being there? Um, yeah. One is I, I like the physical touch of shaking somebody's hand. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, that, and, and the physical energy is different, right? I mean, you can somewhat feel energy in a computer simulation like we are right now. Um, but, yeah. you know, it's different. If we were in the same room, we would feel energy differently. Okay. Energy mm -hmm. has a different transmission. You, it's, you know, you don't, there's a reason that you don't get viruses um, over the computer because en that energy cannot travel. Uh, through the right. computer. So, yeah. um, so, how, so, you know, do you see a time in the future? Are we going to be like the, the, the show upload where we actually are wearing body suits and we actually can feel each other or you think, no, this is just, we're just not going to, we're going to have to actually do get togethers, um, you well, know, you separately know, in order to have that physical connection. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably not the best guy to ask about the body suits, but certainly the metaverse will continue to evolve and it may become tactile at some point in terms of sense. But I would say to you this, you know, right now you have that physical interaction, you're able to shake hands and you're there for a meeting, right? And because you're there for the meeting, there's somewhere else you can't be. You might be missing an appointment with a client. You might be missing a business opportunity. You might be missing a doctor's appointment, right? What if we could instead say the savings that you're going to realize from operating in the metaverse are so substantial that on a weekly, if not daily basis, if you wanted to, you could have live social events wherever you want. And that gives an opportunity for people to really get physical and shake hands and get to know each other and, and understand and trust each other enough to give each other a hug eventually and build culture in that way. You just approach it in a different way, but the, you know, it's no less, uh, uh, no less interpersonal, no less engaging. And I think if you look at the EXP story, 
I mean, these are real estate agents. These are people that all they right, want to do are, is be around people. Really social people. Really social people. And yet EXP became the fastest growing brokerage uh, in, in the industry. And it's because we had thousands of people in, in a metaverse platform every day, taking classes, learning from each other, sharing with each other. So you actually, so, so in ways you're finding that there's actually more connection in the metaverse than there would be in a traditional office space, in part because you've got the entire company, not just you know, uh, one office. You've got the entire world, all right? I mean, today with 90,000 agents, EXP has people that are speaking French who who practice, uh, you know, different religions, different socioeconomic backgrounds. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of value in that diversity, not to mention the professional backgrounds that are very varied in real estate. But you bring that all together in one location uh, and, you know, it, it's a pretty powerful force in terms of trying to build the company. That you, you know, that's, a, it's a, that's an interesting comment about um, the cost savings are sufficient that you ought to be able to actually physically bring people together, even from around the country, uh, presumably. I mean, even my CPA firm, we have we have people who live in Florida, we have people who live in Iowa, we have, right. I mean, and you know, we're a small CPA firm, you know, 15 people, and yet we have yeah. people living around the country and we do fly them in, but then we also maintain an office. And so we could actually eliminate um, that, that, that physical office and do a virtual, a true virtual office, which is what you're talking about with the metaverse. That's right. I would say, I would say that you're going to save on the brick and mortar certainly, but you're also going to save on redundancy of staffing, right? So if you've got six offices physically, uh, and you, you, that means you're going to have an office manager in each of those offices. You're going to have an onboarding specialist in each of those offices. You're going to have a tech support person in each of those offices. Now think about an organization that wants to scale globally or nationally. You've got to replicate those roles in each and every place. So if you look at businesses today, many of them, you know, a full 50% or more of their, their uh, expenses are tied to brick and mortar uh, and redundant staffing. And if you can take that out, I mean, there, there's more than enough money to have parties uh, as, as you know, uh, cohesive and, and towards building culture as you would like. In fact, there was an agent who joined us in Dallas several years ago who had uh, uh, an office building uh, that she owned. And, um, and you know, she uh, spent time in, in here for about three months. The next thing you know, she sold the office building. And I want to make, I want, I want to be clear about something too. I'm not anti-office. Uh, I don't, I don't believe EXP is anti-office. I know Omnis certainly is anti, isn't anti-office, but what I am opposed to is telling a service professional that they've got to subsidize decisions that are completely out of their control and make no sense, right? When you have people that are expanding their office footprint, even though nobody's going into the original footprint, you know, somebody's paying for that and it's the service professional. It doesn't make sense. So, you know, by go taking this approach, you're putting enough money back into the hands of that person so that they can get an office if they want to, and it can be in the location they want for the duration of time that they want, uh, branded in their, you know, however they would like it, you know, consistent with regulation. Um, so it's it's not about not having an office. It's about creating the office environment that you want and still having, you know, the money to, to do the things you want to do. Yeah, so I can, I can see where it's a, it's a huge benefit from a headquarters situation where you really don't need a headquarters um, that, that the headquarters is basically the metaverse, but you're, what, what I'm hearing is there, there may be some uh, combination where you might, uh, I mean, people have some physical place they have to sit and not everybody wants to physically sit in their home, right? right. They don't have a physical space. They have little children running around or something like that. They actually want to go someplace else. Okay. Right. And they need yep. to go someplace else. What, what I'm hearing you say is yes, but if we can eliminate the redundancies that come from having a corporate office, then, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe people just go to someplace like a, 
um, and I'll use the traditional WeWork space, a, you know, a, a, yeah. a shared shared office space, and that that's that's where they're working from, or they actually are able to dedicate um, an office in their home because they're not there. There's more money for them to do something like that. Yeah, you make a great point about WeWork and co-working spaces. Right now, we're in the process at Omnis of developing relationships with companies like Regis uh, and others. Uh, so that all of a sudden now the value uh, for the attorney isn't so much to the, the value prop to the client isn't, hey, will you come into my office? Now it's which of my offices would you like to come into or would you like me to meet over here? Right. Because, you know, a company like Regis has thousands of locations across the globe. Uh, the other thing about those co-working environments, I mean, if we think about any uh, industry that's competitive and we'll, you know, any sales uh, industry. Right. If you go into an office with other salespeople you know, you're probably looking for the same leads they're looking for. And you might even take steps that are, you know, out of culture in order to get those leads or get a competitive advantage. Um, you go to a WeWork, you go to a Regis, you're surrounded by individual business owners who aren't in competition with you. And if anything, you're going to make greater relationships with people who have different things to tell you, different things to share with you. And you're probably going to generate some business. Interesting. So, um, well, we'll we'll start to wrap up in just a minute here, but um, you call the metaverse the great equalizer. Why? Uh, you know, in part, it's because of what I said earlier about accessibility for people with disabilities, or you know, unconscious bias in in hiring decisions and things like that. I think it creates an opportunity too for people who maybe haven't been part of conversations around sensitive subjects, and and you know, subjects that maybe they wouldn't attend a discussion on in real life. You know, there's a way to sort of expose yourself to different viewpoints, different perspectives uh, without having to worry about people, what people might think. I think that's certainly the case. And then, you know, if we look at certain industries, and I guess housing is one of them. And if you look at the studies over the years, you know, oftentimes uh, uh, there are communities who are underrepresented in housing because offices decide to locate their physical space in, you know, affluent locations or what it is. The metaverse uh, allows you know a company to service all people equally without having a physical location in one place. The other thing, when I think about it, you know, you have uh, pockets of geography around this country that are you know surrounded by mountain ranges or bodies of water. They're small uh, localities, and in those places, you know, there's one or two heavy players that basically dictate the terms of business for everybody. It doesn't leave a lot of room for improvement or advancement uh, for people uh, in the industry. Uh, but you go in now without having to make the investment in physical space, because that's why there's limited choice. It's, the demographics just don't make sense to go put a physical office in right. place. But but now you can go in there and you can offer a true alternative to people that's absolutely a game changer, irrespective of whatever geographical boundaries may exist. I love it. That's it's really interesting. So um, before we, uh, we we wrap up here and actually take a trip into the metaverse, um, for those who are uh, watching this, um, then... Could you give us uh, just like two or three steps? What are the first steps that a business owner would take to pursue um, opening up their office into a metaverse? I think the first thing is you got to sort of assess your, your business and see where the pain points are. And you have to ask yourself the question, you know, is there a way to deploy the metaverse effectively that's going to alleviate those pain points? I mean, if you're operating a restaurant, you're probably not going to work out of the metaverse, Right. Um, but I, I think if you can satisfy yourself of that answer, if the answer to that question is yes, then you take a look at your whole industry and you say, which of these pain points are shared among my competitors? And if you really start to look at it, you can find some real opportunities to, to change the landscape and create a competitive advantage, even if you're the smallest guy in the, in the field. Okay. And what, so there, there's step number one, we got to assess yeah. 
Step number two. Yeah. And so once you once you answer that question and you decide that there's a way to, to really create opportunity in the metaverse, you need to drive the behavior. You know, at EXP, and this started with Glenn, he, he would say, don't call me if you need me, come into my metaverse office. And I think that for existing organizations is the big shift, right? Because you really have to get people to pivot. I think it's probably easier to start something new and start in the metaverse uh, on day one and really sort of drive that behavior. I think the transition's a little bit tougher, but at the same time, because of the economics, you know, we've had uh, independent owners, uh, sole proprietors that come over, uh, eliminate their costs, all of a sudden now go from an unprofitable situation to a profitable situation, and they're able to tap into markets that previously weren't available to them. So just to give people perspective, what kind of cost are people looking at to um, develop a, a metaverse place space for a small business? Yeah, you know what? That's that's going to really depend on the vendor and the relationship you have with the vendor. I think you know custom design is going to be more expensive. Let, let, let's Some, assume you have no relationship because you're brand new to this. Because the first place we yeah. heard this was from Jason Guessing. Are we talking about two or three thousand dollars, twenty to thirty thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars? What are we talking about? It's going to it's going to depend on the size of the organization, what their needs are, and and the extent to which the the, the platform has to be customized. I just I would I'd be doing a disservice if I tried to quote a price here because so, I think the important so, point. So, the important so, so point, good, no, a good a good attorney response. It depends. No, no, no. Here, we're here's the answer. Research. No, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. depend because the answer it. at the end of the day, Tom, is it costs a fraction of what you would expend on brick and mortar and heating bills and electric bills and insurance policies. Right and slip and fall and maintenance people. I mean, you add that all up. It, it, there's no comparison. I I, I get that. I'm, I was I'm, I'm an accountant. Yeah. So I wish I could answer. I wish I could understand. Answer. I'm always going to ask well, accountants. We always want to know what the bottom line is and at, at least some kind of range. But uh, I guess that's uh, that that's something that people are going to have to research as to what kind of cost that is before they they get into it. I, I just say, I mean, it impacted the bottom line at EXP enough that we became the fastest growing brokerage. We've issued dividends for consecutive quarters now for consecutive years, I think. Uh, profitability has not been elusive. Uh, you know, it's it's a business model that's been able to adapt with the times. A lot of variable cost structure. You can pull back, you can push forward depending on the dynamics of the business. Um, so, uh, yeah. All right. I love it. So, um, Jason Guessing, the, the book is, again- The Metaverse. The metaverse, metaverse workplace, workplace revolution. Revolution. Um, yes, sir. And 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 I like the, I love the subtitle: a path to greater profitability, a stronger culture, and into industry industry disruption, which clearly you did at EXP. Um, where can we go for more information about uh, basically you and what you're doing? Yeah, so I think the easiest place for folks is probably JasonGuessing.com. Jason G E S I N G.com. Uh, or, you know, you can feel free to uh, send me an email uh, at jasonguessing at omnislaw.com, O-M-N-U-S. Uh, I'd love to give you a tour, any of your listeners a tour. If you want to come in, you want to meet in the veterans, you want to try it out, you want to speak to some people on our team uh, and let them tell you how it's been and tell you where the pain points are and the obstacles and the things to watch out for, traps for the unwary. Love to have you in. We'd just love to have you in and meet you. So uh, reach out by all means. I'd, I'd enjoy that. Thank you, Jason. So I uh, just, I mean, this is such a, real possible solution for those of us who are struggling with, do we have, um, are, are we working virtually? Are we working in the office? How are we doing that? This is a potential, a real potential solution, um, which, you know, people have been struggling this for the, with this for two years now. And I really appreciate Jason. Just remember when we do look at new ideas and look at a new way to do it, the end result is always way more money and way less tax. We'll see y'all next time. Stay tuned if you're on the YouTube channel and Jason will 
give you a tour of uh, of Omnis's uh, metaverse. Stay tuned. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.